Welcome to the Hey SGA podcast, a conversation with Chapman Student Government Association. My name is Erin, and I'm joined with my co-host, Philip. Together, we hope to further amplify student voices and concerns and encourage those around us to start a dialogue about issues within higher education. Tune in as we discuss what that means for SGA, the university, and most importantly, the students. And don't be afraid to join the conversation with us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the sixth episode of the Hey SGA podcast. We are more than halfway through with the show, which is really crazy to think about. Um, and Philip and I first just want to thank everyone for, you know, that have been listening and keeping up with us thus far. And we ask that you look forward to the remaining ones, too. Yes, it's it's been a fun ride so far, and I'm excited to, to finish out the series that we have. I know we talked about some interesting topics, and I know we will continue to talk about some interesting topics. Before we delve into um, today's discussion, Erin, how are you? How's life? It's midterm season. <laughs> life. Um, life is good, honestly. I think that is such a weird question, especially coming out of this whole COVID thing. I mean, we're not completely out of it yet, but <laughs> but I think asking how someone is is just a mixed bag. And I think I'm good. Given the circumstances, I would say I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, I would I would agree with your um, statement. I think that's a fair thing to say with with COVID and just with everything happening in our world. I am feeling extra optimistic with um, vaccine news um, and just things slowly but surely getting better on the COVID nineteen front. Um, I was in a meeting yesterday, or not yesterday, but this past week, and everyone got their vaccine in that meeting, and I was just shocked that we're already that's kind of great. reaching that level. Um, and I know higher education is in that next. Uh, or is in the current level where you can get a vaccine. So it's it's very hopeful news um, to get out of this and get back to some new sense of normalcy. But yeah, That's I'm good. doing well. Thank you. And I know we have spring break just around the corner. You're looking forward to that? Any fun plans? Probably not. I don't. I hope most people don't have fun plans this spring break. This is the one last break where people should do nothing, and then we can hopefully get out of this. But they want to get outside. <laughs> Just That's fair. If you want to go outside, do that. But I don't know. Trips to other places, maybe no, not. No, maybe not. Really not. Maybe right they now. should think about it. You can go to the yeah. your local park, social distance, yeah, that sounds, wear a mask. That sounds like a grand plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have any plans? Well, nope, nope. I will be um, be home. It, it, I don't think it'll be too eventful. What I'm most looking forward to is a little break. It's been... And especially a break from the screens, even though I probably won't. I say I will. But I think being on the laptop, the phone, pretty much all day into the night, it gets kind of exhausting. Uh, Zoom fatigue is definitely a real thing. So I think that's something I'm looking forward to is just disconnecting from that side of life right now. (laughs) Yeah, I know that screen time has definitely increased for a lot of people. And I know that for certain phones, like for iPhones specifically, they record your screen time and how much you're using different applications. Like what if that uh-huh. was for, you know, your laptops too and for whatever devices you have and it just totaled that up for the week, I'm sure the hours would be insane. You know, I do get those notifications on my computer and I, it says how, how many hours I've been on laptop per week. And honestly, it's very sad. Really? But then again, it's not surprising because everything is on, online right now. Really? Okay. Well, I don't have that feature, but I'm glad because... I recommend not having it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that is actually a perfect 
segue, kind of a perfect segue, into to what we wanted to talk about today. Um, so the past few episodes, we had the opportunity to bring on some amazing guests um, from financial aid, from career professional development, um, from our student organizations. Um, but today, it's just going to be Aaron and I, and we're going to be talking about um, a pretty interesting topic that I think a lot of people can relate to right now. Yeah, we'll be discussing student activism within campus and on social media and how that has affected the climate of social media and the Chapman community as a whole. I think this is very big, especially since the BLM movement that we had this past summer and how everyone's been so engaged on social media and very active and vocal, more so vocal, um, about you know what they believe in and what their opinions are and the way they, you know, they go about stating how they feel about certain situations. It's much more apparent mm-hmm. now on social media and it seems like that's the climate. Yeah, for sure. Um, and before I, I kind of rant on some social media activism, activism or lack thereof, I should say, uh, I do think it is a powerful uh, medium to share information and express your opinion and mobilize people. But I also think that this culture that we've developed, um, especially this past year, I think being within this COVID-19 context of everything being online, it's exacerbated this issue um, because everyone's so reliant on being connected through social media and technology. Mm-hmm. But I think, I, I mean, what I've observed this past year is some good, but then also a lot of bad on social media. And I think you and I would both agree that the social media climate at Chapman is horrendous. Um, maybe you wouldn't use that word. That's, I, I guess that's a new one to my vocabulary for describing social media, but <laughs> I feel like list. it's, her- add that to the list. Yeah. I feel like horrendous is a good word to describe Chapman social media. What would your assessment of, of our social media climate be? Yeah, I, I agree. I think as a community, it's, some things can be harmful, you know, the way that we mm-hmm. just don't really listen to each other and the way that we attack each other sometimes and we forget. I think it's so easy over social media to forget that there's a human on the other side. So you just Mm -hmm. say your feelings and you say how it is and without any, you know, remorse or any um, awareness of how the other person might feel or even consideration of their feelings. And I think that that could be problematic for our generation and for the future. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I mean, I think... Whenever there's a major issue at Chapman, or a minor issue for that matter, I think people often take to social media, they, there's a post on some account. The account is kind of irrelevant, but there's always some sort of post, and then that's kind of the hub where people go to, and they flock to on social media, mm-hmm. and then that's where the, I'd like to call it a debate, but it's not a debate. That's where the fight happens, and you have one group who believes one thing, one group who believes the other, and... Um, you know, sometimes it's the administration who's on one side. Sometimes it's a large group of students on the other. Sometimes it's one group of students versus another. Sometimes it's one group of students versus another idea. But regardless of who's in this, you know, fight, social media fight, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's often kind of the same style of treating others poorly and using, you know, just, I don't know, nasty language toward one another and not having any respect or desire to have a healthy dialogue it's just Mm -hmm. it's just no we're gonna attack each other you believe one thing i believe what the other thing and we're gonna settle it just with nasty words 
that's kind of how I've viewed it. And I think that's the case, not all the time, but a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, and also if, if the goal is to bring about change and, you know, make a difference, I don't think that's the way to go about it. I think that there are many different avenues and ways that situations can be handled and taking to social media off the bat to express those concerns in an you know less than likely way in terms of like less than helpful way or useful way being nasty to someone isn't isn't the best way to go about it Um, because at the end of the day we're all in community with each other and I think the most important thing is being able to still understand each other even though we might have opposing opinions Um, Mm -hmm. and not just writing that person off and saying okay well I'm sorry you don't agree with me so we can't you know we can't being community we can't conversate anymore um mm-hmm. and i think that yeah that kid that could lead down a very slippery slope yeah i mean i think a good example to talk about really quick is the no politics day um post by our civic engagement team within student affairs i think that and just for context for people who aren't necessarily aware of this civic engagement um which is a department on campus was doing a kind of a social media campaign about this idea of no politics day. And I don't know, um, may, I, I personally don't necessarily think it was the wisest idea, um, but what I wanted to talk about was the, the response to this um, social media campaign. So they posted about no politics day, kind of in a more celebratory manner, I, I'd say. And then I think that tone shifted quickly um, once they received feedback from, from various students. But then the comment sections on these posts um, really just calling out um, civic engagement. And it was it just seemed like a lot of of call out and attack rather than dialogue. And I and I'm torn because on the one hand, I I understand where people are coming from. I agree with most of the, the sentiment of what most people expressed, which was, you know, we there's no such thing. We can't do this. It's kind of tone deaf to to celebrate something like this. And I, I think I agree with that. But it's just the manner in which people kind of conducted themselves in this discussion. What, what were some of your thoughts on, on that whole debacle? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Seeing it, um, I agree that probably was not the best idea to have a no politics, no politics day, because if you really think about what that entails and the communities that are affected by having such a day, um, you know, then you know, everyone can agree that that should not have been a thing. But I also don't agree with the way that some students went about informing civic engagement of, okay, this should not be a thing and this is not okay because you have to think about these communities. Um, I just think that there's a better way of going going about it, you know, bringing it to to their attention and hoping that we can take this and move forward. But to dwell in it and, you know, have to attack someone's personal life and how they are personally as a um, their personal being, I don't think that that is helpful to the conversation. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was just a, a prime example of kind of the climate that we, we find ourselves in. And I mean, that's definitely not a lone incident. That's just one of many situations where social media has become this place where, I mean, you know, some good comes from it, but then there's also a lot of bad. So it's just trying to find that balance and that community. And I really do think, like reiterating what I said earlier, being 
virtual has negatively impacted Chapman students' sense of community. I think there's no question about that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know you said this earlier, but seeing someone, talking to someone in person is much different than talking to an account where you don't see the human beside or um, beyond the account. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that is, yeah, I think that's just the reality that we find ourselves in, in this virtual environment. Yeah. And it's very unfortunate. It really is. And, you know, that's why I hope that we can learn what we need to learn from this virtual space and take it with us into, you know, when we're back in person, but leave all the negative behind us. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think, and I know we've had these conversations before, but the return to in-person is going to be whenever that happens and regardless of when it happens, it's going to be difficult and weird. And I think it's going to take a lot of adjusting. And I mean, we've heard from the university that fall 2021 is the scheduled in-person return fully for the full Chapman experience. Um, I know that we're probably going to start slowly doing some in-person return um, in uh, late March. Um, But regardless of when it fully happens, it's going to be, it's going to take some, Adjusting. Adjusting, yeah. And it's going to take some repairing too. I think like repairing the community. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with you. And I mentioned this in one of our previous talks on this podcast um, that I still find it strange when I'm like out in public and I see someone's face in like someone's entire face in person. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'll be wearing my mask and if someone else is not wearing theirs and I just, I I feel, it just feels strange because I'm so used to just seeing your eyes and above and then nothing else but i, I think know. that's also going to be a strange adjustment <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a strange adjust- strange adjustment on many many levels um but yeah i think the community hopefully it will rebuild itself quickly um we'll, we'll just have to wait to see but i know that you know at sga we'll try to do what we can to to help that process um and however we can but i don't know i i personally i think some some aspects of this conversation are, are beyond what SGA has the power to do. It's kind of a, a societal issue right now that we need to, to do some internal thinking about, okay, how are we acting? And sh- should we be acting this way? Yeah. But just, go for it, go for it. Yeah, I was just gonna, I was just gonna um, also ask your opinion about how do you feel about accountability and canceling someone? I feel like there's such a fine line between those two. And our society has kind of merged them together where it's hard for for you to hold someone accountable and allow them to learn from their mistakes without just canceling them off altogether. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that's a loaded question, but I, I, and I saw a post last night on social media, of course, um, and it was talking about like the difference between canceling someone and um, calling them out. And I think it's kind of synonymous with the accountability aspect a little bit. Um, I'm not, I mean, I don't think many people are a fan of, of cancel culture, but I do think that many, even if they say they're not a fan kind of fall into the trap because it's Mm -hmm. very easy. And I think it's especially prevalent on social media. Um, And I, we've definitely seen that this past year within the Chapman community. Um, And I'm not, I I really am not a fan of it. I think if you're gonna, the, the cancel culture is not productive. In my opinion, I, I think that if you're someone who truly wants to, to see change, working with that person, and I know there's situations where it's 
very much easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But working with these people to help improve them and better them, I think that's the the answer. But again, I, I'm not saying that it's easy to do that in all situations. I know I'll get, I can get backlash for that. But mm-hmm. that's kind of my view toward cancel culture specifically. Yeah. Um, not touching on the accountability aspect, but and yeah. I would I would share your thoughts. I, I agree with you. Like I share those same concerns about it and in the way that it should be because if you think about it, none of us are perfect. And to cancel someone for an imp- for something that might not have been politically correct or might not have been, you know, looked at in the right light or done the way that it should uh, it's supposed to be done um, or should have been done. And then to cancel them for that, it's leaving no room for them to be able to improve or to be able to learn from their mistakes and um, or at least openly be able to openly learn from their mistakes and move on um, and have the support of people who are able to educate them on, okay, no, this is the way that it should be. And this is why um, it shouldn't have been done in that way or why it could be harmful. There you go. Why it could be harmful to a certain group of people or anyone in general. Um, so I agree. I think cancel culture can, it eliminates that possibility of someone being yeah. able to be supported in that process. Yeah. And I'm, what, the first thing I think of when you said that was restorative justice. And I mean, that's a, that's a phrase that has been really promoted over this past year. Um, and I think like comparing like, let's say like in a school setting where it's like, oh, you're going to just suspend someone or practice, use a restorative justice philosophy and helping mend a relationship or change a, a mindset or whatnot. And I think that's kind of, there's some parallels between that and the cancel culture that we have. So mm-hmm. on the one hand, cancel culture, it's kind of canceling someone, you're just suspending them. It's now we're not even going to give you a shot. You're just, you're done. You messed up. Mm-hmm. You're suspended, expelled. But on the other hand, if you want to work with someone, you know, utilize those restorative justice practices to, okay, address this issue of harm um, and restore justice and change minds and or just work with people as they grow. I think that that's just kind of something that I just thought of, but I think it's, yeah, I, I would hope that society moves in the restorative justice uh, direction with everything, not just certain things, but with other things, we just cancel. I hope that makes sense. No, it makes complete sense. Yeah. That's the ideal, the ideal society that we'd want to live in is, you know, mm-hmm. one that supports you and the mistakes that you make and help you grow in that instead of canceling you off and saying, okay, well, you had a shot and that's it. Because I think we can all say that, um, we, you know, we are deserving of more than one shot in certain instances because we might not always get it right the first time. I mean, and that's not an excuse, but mm. still I think we, we have to be mindful of the fact that it might take more than one shot to get something right. Because we're yeah. human. I, I know. I know. I think people forget that. And I mean, this culture that we've kind of <laughs> fostered, I honestly, as an SGA leader um, on campus during such a divisive year. I mean, I sometimes just, it, it makes me second guess a lot of the things I, I say sometimes. And even though they're not necessarily wrong things, I'm just like, oh, I got to be careful that I don't say anything wrong because if one wrong move and you're done. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the reality. Yeah, I And feel it sucks. That. Like living in that, it's like living in an environment of fear. Um, it makes me, this is a radical example. This Don't read into this too much, but like the McCarthyism era of the 19... 19- 
50, 40s, 50s, um, you know, that, oh, everyone's a communist. You got to watch out what you say, watch out what you do. I mean, it's kind of very different, but I don't know. That's something, again, something I just thought of in my head, <laughs> but yeah. It's it's an odd environment we find ourselves in. It is, it is, which is why we need to shift more towards that restorative, you know, process where you you're not afraid. Um, I mean, it makes you aware. I think there's a difference between being aware of what you're saying and what you're doing and living in fear. If we're pushing people towards, you know, an area where they have to live in fear and they can't express themselves, then I think that's problematic. But if you are aware mm-hmm. of your actions and aware of how they affect other people, then we can create change and we can work together and we can make progress. Um, but I don't think we're in that space fully yet. Yeah, I think that's a good segue to your the second part of what you were asking about, which was the accountability portion of this. Mm-hmm. I think that accountability is important and it's much different from cancel culture. And I think part of accountability is not just ending it with what someone did or said or how they acted, but how they change beyond that. And I think that's where the restorative piece comes in. But with canceling, I think you, I think you um, kind of bypass accountability in a sense and just say, nope, you're done altogether. Where accountability has some growth that I think people, yeah, that's kind of my, my view on it. And I think accountability is, much more important and more productive than than straight out canceling. Yes, and also accountability touches on the fact that we are dynamic beings. We're always changing and we're always evolving and growing. Whereas if you cancel someone, then you're assuming that they would never change. And yes, that can be true to some some extent, but I think having the mindset of holding someone accountable and allowing them to be able to grow in that would be better off. Mm-hmm. So let's, I, I think we can touch on some examples that fit perfectly in this conversation, which is something we've seen in the past month um, with some Instagram accounts um, within the Chapman community, um, you know, the Chapman Super Spreaders, Chapman Party that have touched on students and Greek life behavior during COVID, um, going to parties being with large groups of people, not wearing masks, not following see you safely back protocol. Um, and that's caused a big kind of internal debate within Chapman. Um, so on the one hand, you say, yeah, there's people saying, of course, these people should be held accountable. And this kind of public shaming is more productive than harmful because it's, it's showing that people should not be doing this. And if you do do this, there'll be repercussions. But on the other hand, there's this mindset that, oh, you shouldn't be policing what people do. It's not fair just to call out people and cancel them like that. So I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts and we can have a little dialogue about this because I think this is a good kind of tangible example of the conversation we've had thus far. That one, that one to me is very tricky. I mean, I see both sides. I, how, how do I express this? I, you know, I can see how it would be upsetting, um, especially if you are someone who has lost a family member or a friend because of COVID and to see that your peers are, you know, have no regard for their actions and are, you know, just completely bypassing all of the regulations and the guidelines that are in place. I can see how, you know, that can be very upsetting. 
But I mm-hmm. do think that taking it to social media to publicly shame sh- to publicly shame someone may not be the best way to go about it. You know, I do know that the university has certain uh, programs in place and certain steps in place for how to handle these situations. And I know that that was also mm-hmm. a concern brought up is that some students thought that the university wasn't doing anything um, about it. But we have to think about the rights that those people have. At the end of the day, we might not know what happens to them or what comes about of the situation because of the personal rights that they have. And that's not a, just a Chapman thing. That's just like a we're in America and we have human rights. Um, so that's what happens to that. But I, you know, a little bit it seemed like we are now looking to seek joy in the downfall of people. And I don't think that that's the direction that we should be going in. Um, so yeah, it's it's tricky and it's a slippery slope and I, I see both sides. I don't think that we should be policing each other. I think we should be keep holding each other accountable, but that was possibly not the best way to go about it. What are your thoughts on the matter? Yeah, I mean, my belief, I think Dean, Dean of Students Jerry Price summed it up very well on his email um, that the social media climate, okay, the one, it's not good to be partying. Don't do it. I mean, that's my belief. Don't mm-hmm. do it. Like, the CU Safely Back protocol says you should not gather with more than 12 people. If you can't gather with 12 people or less during a pandemic, I, I don't know what to say. The big parties and all that nonsense, don't do it. So that's that's my belief on that matter. And I, th- I don't think that's a controversial belief. I think everyone should agree with that. <laughs> yeah. 500,000 people have, more than 500,000 people have died of this pandemic just in the United States. Orange County, Southern California, it's been a hotbed for COVID. So don't do it. That's my belief there. But on the social media front, I think it's not healthy. I think that if you're going to get worried about someone's actions, report them to the university for disciplinary action. I don't think that publicly shaming them on social media, I I think some component of it will maybe scare people a little bit. And, you know, we talked about that mindset, that fear environment. But there's an email I think it's conduct.chapman.edu where you can just report any actions and the university will take care of it. And I think that's much more productive than causing even more division on social media. Mm-hmm. So those are my kind of two beliefs. But the on, issue on that the they also brought up was the fact that the university wasn't doing anything. From the student's perspective, it looks as though the university isn't doing anything. So what would you, I, what would you say about that if you were a student in that position? I mean, people, they have been doing things. That's what, I, I think this gets to a matter that I wanted to touch on, which was, I think students are very, not stu- not just students, but I think people are very quick to make judgments on things and say, oh, they see one post that says the university hasn't punished people, then think, oh, that's the, the reality. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you most people didn't email Dean Price or any other administrator uh, and as Dean Price expressed in his email, this has been happening all year. This isn't a new phenomenon. It's just something that has been brought to light on social media. So now a broader group of people are aware of it. So, and and Dean Price has expressed that, you know, they are pursuing uh, repercussions for the people who host these parties, the Greek life chapters that host these parties. I mean, just this past week, there's been news about suspensions and whatnot. So I don't know if that argument is is fair, that nothing's happening. I think there is. And yeah, I, it's tough. I get it. And I understand that there should be more repercussions, but I think people have to investigate, okay, what's actually happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And you touched on it that, you know, organizations on campus 
they'd be able to hear what happens to those to those groups but individuals you know you're not always going to hear what necessarily happens so so another part of this this conversation you know is is how students should be utilizing SGA and I think within this larger conversation about student activism and social media activism there's a lot of we've seen so much um animosity toward the administration to the university and certain things that have happened within our campus but honestly I being a leader in SGA I have not seen enough people come out to things that SGA puts on or respond to things that SGA does and it's just I'm not trying to call out anyone. It's more so just disappointing because I, I think that this is something that we have to kind of reflect on how to do better is showing students that we, one, are in the middle of all these issues that we're trying to address them. And two, we are literally the body that's charged with fixing these issues and addressing these issues and bringing these issues up to the administration. But we don't have, I mean, with town halls, no one no one t- comes to our town halls and that's not com- that's not unique to us. That's just this online environment. No, but no one comes to Senate meetings. It's, it's just, it's disappointing that we don't get to engage with more people about these issues because I, I think we all would want to. It's just, I don't think there's an awareness that we, we can. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. And I think that that's something that we've definitely been trying to work on this, you know, this term that we've had is reaching out to the students in, you know, explaining to them and just allowing them to see that hey like this is our job and this is what we are here we're here for you and to support you and and what you feel you know Chapman should have or the administration should be doing um, and make your voice heard in those spaces and represent you guys in those represent you all in those spaces Um, and I agree it is disappointing that we don't get as much engagement as we would hope Um, but I think that this could be an opportunity um, all of this traction that's on social media can be an opportunity for them to tap into their student government and and say, okay, student government, you know, we want to be on board with what you're doing and we want to be on board with um, with the, we want to be like in the conversations with the administration. So yeah, I just hope that, you know, students can see that this is what we are here for and, and utilize us. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wrote an op-ed at the beginning of the year saying, now is the time to utilize your student government. And that really stemmed from the feeling that, you know, so much happened just in that summer of 2020. So much happened. And I, I wanted people to feel comfortable and eager to use SGA to enact change at Chapman. And again, that is our job. But I just, I, I, I don't think we've seen a high enough level of that engagement. So again, it's not trying to call anyone out. It's just trying to, you know, change the narrative about SGA. SGA is not just student government in general. It's not just for, you know, smaller projects, funding a water bottle refilling station. Um, it's It has the potential to enact big changes, policy changes and de- decision impacting decision-making. So I just want people to be aware of that and feel kind of inspired and, able to to use SGA to enact change. Regardless of the year, regardless of the climate, student government is constant and is always able to be to be used productively if students want to use it. Exactly. Like reach out to your college senator, reach out to, you know, a student org senator. You can even reach out to us. Like 
we we want to hear yeah right we want to we want to hear your concerns and the issues that you have with the university and we want to you know help you find a solution to that and continue to make Chapman a better place and most definitely <laughs> most definitely exactly well I think this was such a great conversation that we had we touched on many different topics and I think that about wraps it up for us. And once again, thank you so much for tuning in. And remember that if you want to submit any questions or you have any suggestions for the podcast, DM us on Instagram at Chapman SGA. Awesome. Thank you, Aaron. Yes, remember that all episodes are released every other Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, But yeah, thanks for taking the time to listen and have a great spring break. Happy spring break, everyone. Bye.